What's going on, guys? I just want to let you know that I am a proud member of the Giant Size Team Up Network. If you like this show, and if you're listening to this, I really hope you do, go to GiantSizeTeamUp.com for more shows like this one. We've got shows like Breaking the Panel. They talk about all the hot topics in comic books today. We've got Botched, a D&D podcast. A bunch of friends get together, get trashed, and go through the fifth edition of Dungeons & Dragons. We have Pokemon Go. We have Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have DC on screen. We have booze and phasers, a show done by our lovely ladies that drink wine and talk about Star Trek. It's pretty cool, right? Uh, Many other shows. Please go there and check that out. And uh, as always, like the Blazing Defender Report. What's going on, guys? Hey, welcome to the episode of the Blazing Defender Report. I have a very special guest today. His name is Jay Sandlin, and he is the author of a fantastic little book called Outbreak Mutiny and it is available on Amazon right now. You can actually get the ebook for 99 cents. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm halfway through. This is the best 99 cents you'll spend all day. No doubt. Um, Jay is a fantastic guest and he's a pretty cool dude. You can tell right away by, from Jay's tone of voice. He probably doesn't belong on the Blazing Defender Report. He's a pretty educated guy. I mean, the guy's working on his master's degree at Southern Alabama. Uh, He's authored a book. He is the founder and creator of Novel Comics. He is the living archive of historical trivia, pop culture, and useless knowledge. Um, He's just a great guy. I want to give a big shout-out to my boys at the Naked Porch Podcast for hooking Jay and I up. Jay is very, very active on Twitter, and his posts are hilarious, insightful, and thought-provoking. So go follow Jay Sandlin Writer at Twitter. With no further ado, guys, welcome to my interview with Jay Sandlin. And now for your listening pleasure, the Blazing Defender Report. With your host, Travis Jones. Welcome, everyone, to the Blazing Defender Report. Hey, guys. So very happy you could join me today. I have a very, very special guest with me this afternoon. This is the author, Jay Sandlin. Jay Sandlin is the founder and creator of Novel Comics. He's the living archive of historical trivia, pop culture, and useless knowledge. He's a master's student at the University of Northern Alabama with a concentration in oral history. Yeah, I bet he is. And mythology of ancient cultures. This guy has written a book that you can find on Amazon. You can get the ebook right now for 99 cents. Guys, I'm telling you, this is a fantastic buy. For 99 fucking cents. I have the trade or the, I'm sorry, the the paperback in my hand right now. And I'm in the middle of reading it. It is wonderfully fantastic. It is Outbreak Mutiny Alternate History with Superheroes. And it's, it's as awesome as it sounds, guys. And with no further ado, I want to welcome Jay Sandlin. Like I said, we're going to talk a lot about this book. It's fantastic, but I got some rapid-fire questions I want to give you quick, Jay. Uh, Bring it. You know, any, before any exercise, man, you need to stretch. You need, you need to get ready for the big shit, the big heavy shit. So 
All right. Now, this don't be fucking taking a long time answering these questions, okay? I don't need any time. All right. I know. I know you're quick-witted. Ready? Texting or talking? Texting. Favorite day of the week? Thursday. 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 Nice. The nickname that people called you that you don't want anybody to know about? Supernova. (laughs) Oh, shit. We've got to fucking revisit that. All right. The last song you downloaded. Or stole. Mr. Crowley by Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, nice. Nice. Okay. If you could speak any language in the world, and I mean like all of them, you could speak all languages in the world fluently, or you could talk to animals, what would you do? Um, I would be the um, language one. Definitely the language. I'm learning Latin currently. Oh, okay. All right. Taylor Swift is a blank. Oh, a gorgeous woman. Super talented artist. Okay. Respect. Mad uh, respect. Is it wrong for vegetarians to eat animal crackers? I don't give a fuck because <laughs> I, I, I love meat. I eat, I'm i a carnivore, so I, I don't care. Too. What, <laughs> none of us be here if we didn't eat fucking meat. Uh, yeah. Excellent job, Jay. Supernova. What? All right. That is, uh, yeah, I got to tell you about that. Yes. All right. So that's the name on the back of my fraternity jersey from when I was a pledge in the Delta Chi fraternity. And I'm not going to get too deep in the story. It just, uh, it does involve some premature ejaculation. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We can't leave it at that. The the, the nice answer is that a supernova is, uh, a nova <laughs> is Latin for new. Uh, super is, you know, enhanced. So I was the great new member of the fraternity. But, you know, in reality, there was another story Well involving a mixer and you know okay i tell you what I'll, I'll tell you what i'll do since you're so gracious to be on the show today we will table the second part of the supernova story for the second interview how about that you got it Deal. man. you got okay. it okay great <laughs> all right man outbreak mutiny damn i'm gonna fuck it up again outbreak mutiny now you're gonna make me think immunity the whole time <laughs> I'm going to call my home. Oh, boy. I'm going to be thinking that the whole time now. There's a reason for it because mutiny is a big theme in the book as far as rebelling. Right. Um, And you're getting that in the very first issue that you're in right now. Yes. And I want to say that underneath the the title that I fucking mispronounce all the time, um, it also says, and I think this is very important for my, my listeners to know, it's alternate history with superheroes. So, Jay, if you would be so kind, give me a a brief synopsis of what the book is about. December 31st, 1929, was a day that lived in infamy, and that was for the United States. It falls. In my timeline, the U.S., the Russians, um, they all fall to the Reich, and that's a society of supervillains, basically. Um, there's a group of people that arise in the population called the Outbreak Babies. They have superpowers. And just like in the world we live in today, if people had superpowers, there would be dictators, despots, or presidents that would try to weaponize them. So that's essentially what happens in the 1920s in my reality. Uh, Like you said, it's an alternate history with superheroes. There's good ones and bad ones. Sure. 
So I take out America really early. America falls like the red shirt in Star Trek. <laughs> it, does, it does fall pretty early. I was kind of like, what the fuck? Yep, yep. You're reading about the Reich, and they've got their shaped beast that they've used to, you know, they've created these monsters. They've got the individuals who are uh, trying to rise to the ranks of warlord. If you're a warlord of Reich, you get to rule the conquered territory that you've rolled in and taken over. And in issue zero, they've brought the fight back to Boston, and there's a whole other Boston Tea Party where they're uh, going to conquer the north e- northeast of America, the New England area. And that was with the Sons of Liberty, is that right? Well, the Sons of Liberty are very short-lived as well, but you know the Sons of Liberty were a legit history group that they threw the tea in the harbor and all that good stuff. Yeah, I thought so that they're was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Not it was. It was a reference. Yeah. You'll get a lot of small references for history fans, yeah. but if you're not a history fan, it's not. It's not bogged down in that. There's not a lot of trivial aspects. There were in the early drafts, and my beta readers told me to take those out because <laughs> they're like we. They're like only you get that, and I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Well, you know, as soon as I seen the Sons of Liberty, I was like, hey, wait a minute, that that. I think I remember that, and uh, I had to Google it, and I was right. And I was like, holy shit, that, that was cool. Now, granted, they Keep don't last Googling. long. but They don't last long, <laughs> and uh, they're, you, you meet kind of your first heroine in the book, Miss um, Caliente Blue. She's yeah. a badass outbreak yes. baby. Yeah, she, and I wanted to ask you about her. I, actually, I have some questions here, because uh, she is uh, pretty hot, Um you know, not not too hard on the eyes. Family, I take it. Right? Is that correct? Yeah, you watch Modern Family. I basically think uh, Sophia Vergara. Okay, that's a good one. I was thinking Selma Hayek, but okay. Yeah, well, she's a little more voluptuous than Selma. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Sophia Vergara is. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's great. That I can. I, I like to, and I'm going to ask you this in a minute. Uh, I like to cast characters as I meet them and I learn a little more about them. I'm like, oh man, who could play this? And then as I read it, that's kind of what I envision. Yeah, that's exactly what I do when I'm writing it. Okay, great. Uh, okay, so well, let me ask you about her. Is is was she, uh, Sophia Figar? Was that your inspiration, or was there somebody else? Yeah, I was actually, I didn't even think of Sophia till I started describing the character, uh-huh. and that was the actress that came to my mind. Uh, the inspiration was the real-life La Escalara movement in liberating uh, Cuba from the Spanish Empire. Um, the U.S. helped in that. We fought in the Spanish-American War, and La Escalara goes back a little further. It's back into the liberation of slaves in Cuba. There were actually a small group of females that were very instrumental in ending slavery in Cuba. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, man, that's really And their, cool. their achievements and their accomplishments have been kind of diminished until recent years. But I was, uh, I'm working on my master's degree, and I'll, all things you know considered, I'll have it done in December if it all goes well. And we had a class on slavery, which really helped me in writing this book because slavery and the exploitation of people as resources is such a major theme. Right. Yeah, and in I, your I book, used, yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. So I used the La Escalara. I, I imagine that was like her Charlie's Angels group, <laughs> like back before the book. And I'm going to write a prequel about her and her group, the Latina Liberators, who try to free Cuba from the Spanish folks and all that. Right. 
awesome. Yeah, that's uh, you could tell like just in the very when you as soon as you meet her, you can tell that the the, the writer not even not even knowing you has an affinity towards this character. Uh, just the way and there's more to her story. It. Yeah, there is more to her story. Absolutely. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I can't wait. Like I said, I, I'm still in issue zero. Yeah, I'm still in issue zero. So, but it's it's really cool. And also, um, I'm a. I wouldn't call me a history buff, uh, nowhere near your level, but I'm very fascinated by it. And I love the, 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 the references you make, and we talked about the Sons of Liberty, but you were also talking about the, um, let's see, you mentioned uh, Mein Kampf, which mm-hmm. you, you bring that into this. I thought that was really cool. Mein Kampf, yeah. Now, for our readers, that was Adolf Hitler's book, which just translated means my struggle. Right. And in real life, when Hitler wrote that book, it made him a millionaire, legitimately. It was one of the best-selling books in German history. You can still find it anywhere. And uh, in my reality, Mein Kampf is a little different. It's actually like the religious text of the Reich. And they use it for their ideals of superiority, uh, eugenics, which was a Nazi idea. Except in my reality, eugenics is based on superpowers and superheroes being the superior beings plus the white superheroes. That just makes it even better. Right. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was very cool. I like how you kind of changed it uh, and to yeah, do that yeah. for your story. I thought that was very. It's a, cool. it's a historical Easter egg. You're yeah. the first person to mention that to me. So congratulations. Oh wow! Awesome. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, that was, I mean, that was one of the second things I wrote down in my notes. I was like, oh crap, Mein Kampf, that's cool as shit. Uh, And the ideas of Mein Kampf uh, come from the ideals of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which is Nordic superiority. And that in turn comes from the Vikings. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of Hitler's racism came from the Vikings. Um. <clears throat> yeah, well, the uh, the the blonde haired, blue eyed um, man that he uh, considered the 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 alpha male. Am I right? The Aryan, yeah. The Aryan, right? Um, yeah, I thought that was a very very cool nod. Uh, you talk about the U bolts and everything. Just there's just a lot of that peppered through, and like you say, it doesn't get boggy at all. It flows very very well, which is what I found to be very cool about it. But I want to talk about uh, Matamba. Matamba. Yeah, Matamba. Now, he's, he's a pirate. He was a pirate. Yeah, he's been around for a minute. Um, I mentioned that he's an outbreak baby, of course. Right. He is uh, from Africa, and he was a sailor. And uh, with an outbreak baby, you probably caught on to this in his introduction, that they have to endure like a great, injury or trauma for their superpowers to develop right he had himself he was stabbed in the gut with a cutlass during a mutiny right hey there's one of the first instances of a mutiny (laughs) he gets stabbed in the guts and instead of dying his superpowers manifest to save his life so he's able to create uh he's able to will his calcium and the cells in his body to create um extensions of his bones that he uses as weapons now he was uh, captured and experimented on. Is this is yes? Accurate? Okay. Yes, he was. The Reich finally captures him. He was. I imagine that he was uh, one of the helpers for Callie during the Spanish-American War with her Latina liberator groups. 
And they capture him at some point, the Reich, during an unknown period. And they experiment on him. They make him uh, unrecognizable. You know, he's basically a skeleton warrior. Uh, but he gives up Callie. You know, they're looking for her for their own reasons. And after years of torment, he finally just gives her up. Yeah, um, and that was one of the things I had written down. But as I as I got to reading, I could tell... I knew there was something between Matamba and Callie. I could tell there was a, either they were lovers or uh, maybe you know warriors at, at arms at one time. Uh, For her, they were comrades in arms. Okay. He wanted more, and she kind of put him in the friend zone. I'm afraid. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That answers that question. And oh, yeah. you're talking about he can uh, manipulate his bones. Yeah, um, that brings me to which I thought was actually from from what I've read. And like I said, I haven't read a whole lot of it yet, but the swashbuckler. I thought right. that was the coolest description of a fucking ship that I've oh, read you. in a long time. The the beast boat. The it's beast the hybrid. Boat. Yeah, the hybrid U boat and warship. I just want to. I want to give my listeners just a uh, just a snippet of how you describe. Oh, please it. Is do. That cool? yes. Please. Okay. Okay. Uh, now we're talking about the swashbuckle. This is Matamba's boat. Okay. The hybrid vessel looked like the mother of all U boats had collided with an ancient whale. The metaphor was stunningly accurate. The ship's fearsome appearance was in fact provided by the late carcass of another sea beast. It was engineered with unstoppable bone density meant to punch through blockades. The strength of the bones had been widely affected, but the beast itself could never support the strain of its cursed existence. He had demanded the shaper salvage the bones to serve as the outer hull of his ship. The swashbuckler struck terror in the hearts of sailors and oceans across the world. The bow was spearheaded by multiple rows of jagged teeth from the skull. The whale-like beast's piercing ribcage and spinal cord ran down the length of black steel innards. I was like, I mean, I'm sitting here reading. I was at the firehouse yesterday, and I was reading it, and I was like, holy shit. I mean, I totally pictured this dope-ass just ass-kicking shit pulling up. I was like, dude, that's awesome. I had to highlight it. Um, oh, thank you, man. Yeah, man. Uh, I I wrote that. That, does, that sounded yeah, pretty man, good. man, you wrote that, dude. That was awesome. I'm a, I don't know. I must have been high at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. No, I'm just brother. kidding. A lot went into that. Um, and anytime the SWATS buckler shows up on the page, you know shit's about to go down. Yeah. I, I can I'll say that for future issues. Okay. Yeah, that's uh yeah, that image, man. That that's just a fucking fantastic image. And I love the idea of Matama being I mean, he was a pirate and I now know he's working for the Reich, but he's still a, he is is he still a pirate at heart? It kind of sounds like he Oh, is. definitely. Okay. Absolutely. He he's most comfortable on a boat, even if it's a Reich warship. Uh that's where he's most at home. Um gotcha. and also um yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, who would you cast as Matamba? Okay, I've got a couple of ideas for that. Um, mm-hmm. My first choice is probably, I don't know if you watch Supergirl on CW. Sure, sure. Uh, Mikad Brooks that plays uh, James Olsen or Jimmy Olsen. He yeah. was uh, yeah, kind absolutely. of on a short list. Yeah, he was on True Blood as well. He was. He played Eggs. Yep. Uh, I liked his 
I liked that season. It yeah. got bad towards the end, but I love some True Blood. Yeah. It was one of the first things my wife and I did when we were dating to bond as we get together and watch these vampires have sex. <laughs> did it work? Oh, yeah. Every time. <laughs> no, we, we love True Blood. We, we stuck with True Blood towards the end, even though it was kind of a shadow of its former oh, self. Oh, man. Me and my wife did, too. We loved the uh, maybe the first three seasons. I thought it was fantastic, and then it just seemed like it just, man, it went downhill every season after It did. That. It had its moments after that. Like, uh, the vampire authority was kind of cool. I liked those ideas of a governing body for vampires. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, overall, you're right. It was downhill. <laughs> yeah, it kind of went downhill. Uh, i tell you who I pictured, and uh, it only because I'm so into it right now. And I just picked up another show that he's in. I found out he was in. I was like, holy shit, there's a... Oh, uh, Shadow Moon uh, was is oh, the guy man. from American yes. Gods. That that would be an amazing cast. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I'm loving American Gods oh, right now. Oh my god, it's so good. You you don't mess with Shadow Moon. I mean, he's just like you see him and you're like, I, I don't want to mess with that guy. Even okay, if he's well just let me ask you this: or... Have you ever seen? Now, stay with me. Don't and my listeners, please, when you hear me say this, don't don't turn me off because just hear me out on this. Have you seen The Hundred? I watched the first season. Okay. Shadow Moon was uh, the first Earther that they came in contact with, and he was a bad motherfucker on The Hundred. He was. What was his name on that show? I don't even remember. Lincoln. Lincoln, yes, because they named him after the monument. Exactly. Yeah. I love that show. Like, I'm addicted to that show right now. I need to get caught back up on it because it is on Netflix and yeah. I did enjoy the first season. But, you know, there are some shows you just kind of bow out after yes. a while. Yeah, you do. So, uh, I will I will catch up on The 100 again for you, sir. Man, dude, I'm telling you, you, you. Let me know what you think about it because I just finished season one, so I'm getting into season two. And the way season one ended, I was like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. Uh, there's a guy at the firehouse that, that watches it. He loves it and he's telling me all the time. He's like, dude, I'm telling you, you're going to love this. And I was like, ah, it's on the fucking CW, man. Come on. I've already, I've already got too many CW shows on my, on my bucket list or on my, on my DVR list. And he was like, no, 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 no. You got to try it. So he was right. Uh, but, yeah, please right. check it out, Jay. I'd love to get your opinion on it. No, I loved the first season. I loved the – I think I got a lot of the second season, too. I liked the president of the uh, space station guy and when he gets everyone down to Earth and yes. – um, there was some uh, the, good the, stuff. Okay. The different factions. Don't, don't. I like factions. Yes. Yeah, I do too. And it's it's kind of like uh, The Walking Dead in a way. It's like you've got all these other extraneous factors trying to kill you, but you have to worry about other people. Oh, yeah. People you know, are like, always the biggest threat. Yeah, we're always the biggest threat to each other, which I think I think is kind of funny. Okay, uh, just getting back to your book for just one more second. I, I, I want to talk about this character because I was like, this is an awesome character, too. The Hordling? Yeah, Hordling. Dude, where the fuck did you come up with the idea for the Hordling? You had to have been hot. Maybe. Um, I'll tell you what I was thinking at the time. I was imagining the Pied Piper without the Piper. Perfect. The Pied Piper of Pocono, of course, was the guy that was able to charm the rats and control them with his flute. I I like the idea of the rats all moving in concert. And then I thought, well, that would just be cool without the Piper. And then I thought about uh, the Borg from Star Trek with the hive mind. Right. Um, 
So all that together, plus a little weed and Adderall, probably combined <laughs> to horribly. My, my sister read the book. I'm glad you mentioned him. My sister read the book, and she texted me and just said, Hordling is the stuff of my nightmares. Yes. Oh, it, I, I guess she fears rats too. Is that a. Well, I mean, who doesn't? Nobody likes rats. Yeah, nobody likes rats. Uh, right. So, Hordling is a hive mind of rats that combine together and they can form like a wave of rats. They, he can form like, or it can form like a humanoid type rat right. creature thing. It, it will keep appearing throughout the book, especially Good. in the climactic fight. So, okay, you'll have to let me know what, what you think about him. This is what I found interesting about him is horrifying as he is, he's kind of like comic relief. A little, yeah, there is some of that. In some scenes, he de- when he speaks, yes. I described it as the sound of screeching vocal cords that were never meant for speech, but they're producing it unnaturally because that's what the shapers made it to do. Right, right. And it's like and so Matamba has, is given the charge of hordling. They're like you have to, you know, make this experiment work. He's your first mate. So I imagined like in the backstory it's like okay, it, we already said Matamba's a pirate. So he's going to try to teach hordling to be a pirate. And that was why he was trying to use the pirate lingo in the beginning. He's like, shiver her timbers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't really do a hordling voice. I, I, I think it would be awesome if someone made an animated version of this and voiced hordling. I'd oh like my to God. see how that sounds. It, it's, it was fantastic. And then, uh, you know, because Matamba's kind of like, when he speaks, Matamba's kind of like, oh my God, you know, like, just stop already. And then, <laughs> yeah. then, then yeah. he says, like, Polly wants a crackle or Hordling wants a birdie. You know? Yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, Hordling's not very good at being a pirate. He would, he would, you'd give him a parrot and he, you'd say, feed the parrot, Hordling, but he would eat the parrot instead <laughs> with his, you know, thousands of tiny mouths eating it. And it's just disgusting. So cool. I love that character, man. I'm sure. Thank you. And like I said, I'm just in zero and I'm sure there, there, I know uh, just looking at your cast of characters in the beginning. Uh, yeah. Um, there's every, several more. I'm glad you mentioned that because every book or fantasy book, especially that I've loved reading has had um, extra elements like uh, a cast list uh, maps. I have maps in the beginning yes. and I, in the back of the book, there's a glossary of terms as well. Okay, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. That's in the back, because I couldn't put it all in the front, otherwise you'd never get to the story. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the, the glossary of terms, because I, I invented so many terms in my vernacular, like the outbreak babies, um, humdrums, or what I call people without superpowers, latents, or what I call people that could potentially have superpowers if they go through the accident. Uh, we mentioned the Swats buckler, so on and so forth. Yeah, Okay. Very cool. Yeah, I'm glad. I just I just uh, got my book a couple of days ago, so I'm glad that uh, that you told me that. When you finish it, uh, I'll give you my address and I'll sign it for you and send it back. That would be fucking fantastic, Jay. Thank yeah, you definitely. Much. Oh um, yeah, I'd love to. Okay, now all right, uh, the book's fantastic. Please, guys, go out and get it. Uh, there's is there a hardback version, Jay? Uh, not right now. Okay. We just uh, Amazon's the publisher, and they're offering the ebook for ninety nine cents, and the paperback edition's available as well uh, through Amazon Prime. Okay, yeah, that's what I have is the paperback uh, version, which is very cool. Uh, yeah, ninety nine cents. Are you fucking kidding me? That's that guys. That's a steal. I'm telling you right now. Get that shit on your Kindle ASAP. Uh, and we'll have Jay back on when I finish reading the book and we'll talk about it more in depth. But yes. Jay is also 
a huge Star Wars fan. Super fan. You are a fucking super fan, my man. That is a fact. What's the name of your YouTube channel, Jay? Well, the YouTube channel is The Novel Comics. But uh, and that's my publishing company where I'm releasing right. Outbreak, Mutiny, and the Shared Universe. But you can find uh, all my. I, I don't intend to just do Star Wars. That's just the way it's been working out. Yeah. But uh, I like to release other content on YouTube. Um, we have a show called the Jedi versus Sith Symposium, and we've been debating Star Wars theories recently. Yeah, I've checked some of those out. Um, pretty pretty good stuff, guys. If you're into Star Wars, which I know a lot of my listeners are, I know I'm a huge fan myself. Uh, I've really enjoyed, uh, I listened to the Snoke, the Snoke one. Who is Snoke? Yeah, who is Snoke? Everybody's asking. Well, you know, uh, we, we go over a lot of possibilities. Okay, well, just, uh, I don't, we don't have to get into it fully, but who do you think Snoke is? Oh, God. After hearing all the possibilities from our panelists, we had an international panel, people from Ireland, Scotland, and the U.S. all weighing in. I'm going to guess that Snoke is a new character. He is a dark side force that's been hiding in the unknown regions and watching, and maybe he is somehow tied to the original Sith species. Ah, very cool. I like that idea. Yeah, I do too. Um, and a lot of this came from it just actually being released not too long ago that he was from the Unknown Regions. Is that correct? Well, it was hinted at in the Aftermath trilogy. Um, they've never come out and said you know his name, but they've mentioned the threats in the Unknown Region. Um, they mentioned when the Empire surrendered to the Republic after Return of the Jedi that their ships the Star Destroyers all started jumping into the unknown regions. And then years later, they come back as part of the First Order and Snoke is the leader. So you can kind of surmise from that that he's from the unknown regions. Absolutely, Yeah, for for sure. Um, I'm still, just just me, I'm still leaning toward Plagueis. Yeah, that we discussed that as well. Yeah. That's still a big possibility, in my opinion. Yeah. One of our panelists, my good friend Brian Karasik from ChannelStarWars.com, who is also a Palpatine cosplayer, um, he mentioned that there were some problems with the Plagueis theory in his mind, mainly that it means Sidious never finished the job and Sidious was never the Sith Master if it's Plagueis. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. So that might be an issue when, when you go back and look at the original trilogy and think, well, Palpatine never really finished off as Sith Master. And did they ever come out and actually say that the Plagueis book was canon? It's not. It's Legends. Um, it, it did not meet the cutoff, but there's nothing in the Plagueis book that really contradicts the current canon. Right. And I have a feeling that it will, a lot of elements will be brought back into the canon. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, well, before we get too far into this, where, where did your love from Star Wars come from? Well, my dad gave me the VHS of A New Hope back in the 90s one day. He just kind of handed me the VHS haphazardly and said, Hey, I think you'd like this movie because you like swords. And a character named Luke has a really cool sword. That's fucking awesome. And thus it began. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, I can. I got a shout out to my dad for that one. That was yeah, a great. Oh father. yeah, trust me, man. I would, I, you know, honestly, now that you said that, I would not even be doing this show probably if it wasn't for my dad. He used to, um, he would sit me on his lap and read comic books to me before I could even read, um, and that's where my love of comic books came from. I, I knew if I ever did anything good in school or maybe I just didn't get in trouble for that week. I don't know. And he thought he'd reward me. I would come home from school and that my bed would be just, it would have five or six X-Men, you know, the old, the John oh, Byrne, awesome. Chris Claremont, X-Men comic books all over. And I'd be like, holy shit, oh, you know, Chris Claremont's a genius. Yes. Yeah. I got to do a show with him a while back. We weren't on the same segment, but with my friends at geek to me radio, he was one of the guests, um, during free comic book day last month. Oh, awesome. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Um, I'm really hoping it happens, but, uh, I'm trying to get Peter David for dragon con, uh, in September. Oh, yeah. It's It's all going to be, uh, depending on what time he comes in and what time I leave. But, right. um, yeah, I'm really hoping I get to interview Peter David. That would be fantastic. You know, Dragon Con, do you attend that every year? No, this will be my first year. I've never been. I'd love to go to Dragon Con, but I have a friend that went to Dragon Con, and he told me a true story. I'll just tell it real quick. This was back in 2002, probably 2001. Ray Park, pretty fresh off playing Darth Maul, Uh was there at Dragon Con. And Ray is a pretty unassuming-looking guy. He's probably about 5'8", 5'9". But, you know, he's a freaking martial arts master. Yes. And apparently somebody was behind him on an elevator. It was a fan. And the fan was kind of maybe tipsy, drunk, and they were going um, down the hallway. And the fan bumps into him and says something like, watch it. And then Darth freaking Maul turns around at him and just pulls out his hands and shoves him down the hall. And the guy flies like he's been force pushed. Oh, shit. <laughs> And my friend, I don't know what he was thinking, but he kind of jumps in between them and says, Hey, Ray, he didn't mean it, man. Hey, party. Yeah. And they, Ray just walked on. And his friend said to him, he said, Dude, do you realize you just calmed Darth Maul down from having a fight? <laughs> That's awesome. Because the, the fan was like six foot four or something, but he had the body of Gumby, apparently. Oh, and Ray Park is just like solid muscle, like a fire hydrant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I've anyway. actually had the uh, I've had the opportunity at Wizard World a few years ago to meet Ray. Uh, a guy, the I bet he's a super nice guy. Oh, he's fantastic. Well, the guy that I do my Meatheads on Movie Show with, where we review the movies, um, he is like uh, shit. I don't know. How, but he's a black belt in like four different styles of kung fu. But like the guy that taught him, he knows everybody. He knows Chan. Lee, he knows Park, he knows all these people. So when we got to meet Ray, my buddy Sam, he was like, "Oh, hey Ray, you know, blah blah blah. You know, I'm I'm since since a so and so student. I can't even pronounce the guy's name." And Ray just his eyes got real big and looked at him, and he stood up and he shook Sam's hand, and we had this huge line behind us, and he actually he talked to us for ten minutes. I mean, oh, that's awesome. It was. It was. I mean, I hate it for the people behind me because I'm like, oh, man, I feel really awkward. Ah, screw those guys. Yeah, screw them guys. I, I had to wait too, motherfucker, you know. But, um, yeah. yeah, fantastic dude. Um, yeah, there's. I'm telling you, man, uh, if you get to go to uh, – have you ever been to a con, period? 
Oh yeah, um, okay. actually, I'll give a shout out to my friends. Um, the sh largest con, one of the largest in the southeast. I'll be at the Geek Gathering in September. Um, the Geek Gathering. Find them on Facebook. If you're in the Shoals area, that's Alabama, North Alabama. It'll be in September. Uh, there will be some celebrities there, um, some great booths and vendors. It's uh, usually a thousand to two thousand people attend that weekend. Okay. Do you know what dates in September, right? Yeah, I'll tell you real quick. Um, but uh, Ray Park, I would love it if he was to do a a Darth Maul solo movie. Oh, dude! Would I think that would just be shit. freaking awesome. I think that would be awesome. There's a, already a great Legends book called Darth Maul Lockdown. They could base it on partially. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've read that book. Yeah, yeah it's great. Uh, the Geek Gathering's October 7th through the 8th at the Florence Lauderdale Coliseum. So it's in October this year. Okay, good. Good. So I will be there with my uh, improv comedy group, actually. Maybe selling some books as well if I have them handy. We'll see. What's, uh, <laughs> what's, the, what's the name of your improv comedy group? The wick, the stick, the wickets. We uh, W I C K E T S, based on um, old wicket from Planet Endor. <laughs> that check awesome. us out on Facebook. Yeah, facebook.com slash it's the wickets. We do shows um, every month. We're gonna do a show on the 29th of this month um, here locally in the Shoals area. So check us out on Facebook if you're in town. You know, just uh, come see us. That's. That's incredibly cool. Let me ask you this. How the fuck do you find time? Now, you, you, you're also married and have a three-year-old. Is that correct? I do. I have a great three-year-old. His name's How Joel. the hell do you find the time to do all the right books? Do uh, You do, and you are a self-proclaimed show whore, podcast show yeah. whore. Uh, I'm probably like your 10th show this fucking week already, and it's, you know, it's fucking Monday. <laughs> so how do you find the time man you know we every when people say they can't find the time it really means they don't have the motivation to accomplish the goal that yes. would require that time yes so That's for me it's just all about setting my goals setting my deadlines and putting in the blocks of time that i need to reach that goal Yes, I, I absolutely agree. I totally Which is agree. a fancy way of saying I'm an awesome procrastinator. <laughs> no, no, sir. I, my man, am a fantastic procrastinator. I'll get it done, but it will be at the last moment, right before the guillotine drops on your neck. I'll be there yeah. to save you, but it will be right at that last second. I guarantee it. it, it well, everything about writing took longer than I imagined it would take. Oh, I can only imagine. That was a stretch for my patience. Um, well, how long? I, Give I, us a time frame. I will. Uh, starting in June. Now, this is the time frame started in June of 2016 to the publication date of April 19th of this year. So that's almost two months ago. But that was from the very first idea to the finished product. It's not going to be the same, you know, in the next book because I've already got the characters, I've got the plots, I've got the basic idea of where things are heading. Now, I've still got some very large gaps to fill, right. but I, I've got the world now. In June, when I first thought, I'm, when I first really put my mind to writing a superhero book uh, set in alternate history, uh, it was totally different. I, it was set in the present day. It was more of a, I don't know how, I don't know. It was more of like a 
commentary on modern business mm. than it was like what I ended up with. Um, it was set in the present day, and I imagined like a convention for superheroes where they all go and they get the best products for being a hero. Like you could buy your Signal Watch apps, or you could get um, strategies from other uh, superheroes. Yeah. Um, sort of like that. That And that's something I could still come back to at any time. Sure. But I had written some paragraphs about how the world came to be this way. And I imagined the superheroes fighting at Pearl Harbor. Uh, I imagined the superheroes fighting on D-Day. And I was like, heck, that is a whole lot more interesting than oh. what I'm writing. I'm going yes. to write that story. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. So that's what I did. And, and then and, um, in December, I finished the first draft. It was about 100,000 words, actually more than I published, because I published about 80,000. And brother, I scrapped every word in December. Oh my God. I, I stopped. I did a total rewrite because it was, I had some great ideas. I had some great foundations. I had built a world, but it was, it wasn't working for me. Some things just weren't clicking. Um, and that was when I recast my lead character who oh. you'll meet in the later issues. He's on the cover. He's uh, the guy with the eye patch. patch and the yeah. Okay. Yeah. His name is the Buccaneer, and when I created the Buccaneer, we'll talk about this after you finish the book. Sure. He wasn't in the first drafts. Keep that in mind as you read. Uh, but when I created him, everything came together, and I came up with the idea of the U.S. falling early and then kind of redrawing the boundaries. Um, originally, in the first draft, the United States was very much intact, and the timeline was a lot like ours. You could recognize it. And I was like, no, I've, I've got to be more different. I've just got to step away from, I got to put more alternate than I do the history. So that, that's when I started rewriting. I started rewriting right after Christmas. And it wasn't that hard because all the ideas were there. I had all the basic ideas, but once I put it in the different setting, the different times, it all came out pretty easily. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you went down that route, man. Uh, not that the other Me ideas too. sound cool too. <laughs> But, uh, well, no, all the, all the, a lot of the ideas from the first draft do appear. Um, so it's not completely gone, but it was a rewrite from the ground up. Right. How many hours a day or would you, I mean, would you even do that? Or would you just be like, you bang out five hours at a time and then you may write for an hour? Well, writing is very much a state of mind. You can't just sit down and do it from this time to this time and say, okay, I'm done. You have to sit with your manuscript. You have to put some time into it. Then you have to step away from it. You have to let it get cold a bit, come back to it, read it, and say, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> delete, delete, delete. <laughs> Go back and write some more. It's very much just like an ebb and flow. I mean, people call it writer's block. I don't think writer's block really exists. I think that there are just times when you have to step away from your manuscript and come back to it, and then you're better equipped. Sure. And if it's not there, if it's just not flowing, that's your sign to step back and come back later. And there's no shame in that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think it's like that with anything that you do that you love to do, uh, even podcasting for that matter. There's been days where I had set out to do a show. I'm like, I'm going to do a show today. I didn't do one last week. I need to do one this week. And I get home and shit starts happening. I'm like, you know what? I ain't fucking feeling it. I'm not doing it. 
Yeah, and, you know, exactly. there's no sense of putting crap out there. I would rather go two weeks without a show, and and then wait, and then be like, you know what? I can't wait to get behind the microphone tonight, and buy, you know, and have that have that excitement and that 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 feeling of you can just say anything, and it's just going to come out right. You know what I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. Whether it's doing the improv comedy or writing something on the page or just writing a review for a comic book, right? Um, I'm down with that. And then the at this point, and I've I've talked or I've I've listened to the interviews with other writers who write these ongoing series because uh, spoiler alert, this is the beginning of an ongoing series, and I don't know how long it's going to go. <laughs> but um, cool. Jim Butcher is one of my favorite authors. He writes the Dresden Files. Yes. And I've I've listened to lots of interviews with Jim. And what he consistently says is after he finishes the book, he's just got to step away from the Dresden Files because he says, I am sick of hanging out with that Harry Dresden dude. Yeah. And I get that. And I'm at that point right now where I'm having to kind of... there now? Okay. I I am. And that's a good thing. Now, it's always in the back of my mind. And I've written some bullet point outlines for the next book. But um, I'm working on releasing uh, my children's book in August. It'll be coming out um, as a fundraiser project for my son's school. It'll be called Little Wolfie at River Hill School. Cool. And I'm working on my master's thesis as well. Yeah. Like, again, man, the fucking time. Your, your time management is your superpower. You are an outbreak baby, and that is your superpower because that is that's oh. fantastic. We're all outbreak babies, <laughs> and you just got to figure out what your power is and pursue it. Because oh, if shit. you live your whole life as a humdrum, it's just not worth it. <laughs> You're right, man. Even though I still feel like a humdrum half the time. Let me ask you this. When you, since beings were on being successful, when you think of the word success, who's the first person that comes to your mind and why? Stan Lee. Uh, because he, you know, love him or hate him, he created a cast of characters that have been ingrained into cultural mythology forever. And I think we're going to be telling stories about his characters forever as well. You know, and what, why do you think that is, Jay? Because, you know, we get into this discussion on, on Breaking the Panel. It's one of the shows on, on our network where we kind of take these topics and, topics and really kind of dive into them. And I think it was the show, it was either where, Jane Foster took over the mantle of Thor, or maybe when the Falcon took the shield from Cap. And, you know, a lot of people were upset, and a lot of people were mad, and I understood it. I understood them being upset, and I don't understand why we have to diversify iconic heroes. Why, Why isn't there, I guess this is my question, why isn't there a new breed of diverse heroes that have this uh, I don't know the star quality the star power that Captain America Spider-Man all these all these characters have yeah, well, I, I know what you're talking about um, I don't really think that's a new thing I think that's just more of an attempt to shake up the storylines when Agreed. it feels like you're getting ancient because when you hear that Tony Stark is being replaced as Iron Man right you know in the back of your mind it's not forever. Right. And even, no matter what they say, they're going to say, oh, this is definitely the new Iron Man. Right. No, that's just hype. 
Yeah. Uh, same for Peter Parker as Spider-Man. You know, I, I know that Miles Morales is a cool idea. Yes. But he's never going to be Spider-Man. Uh, same for all the Captain Americas. So uh, it's nothing new. Like, they've uh, taken away Captain America's uh, abilities. They've taken away Wonder Woman's. At one time, they took away Wonder Woman's superpowers, put her in a white jumpsuit, yes. and just had her be like a secret agent, you know? Yes, I remember. It was awful. And when Superman, they split him into the two beings, the red and the blue Superman yep. and, you know, the electricity and all that. Um, it's just, That's just really a way to try to give a new story. And it's really more like you want to find out. You, you read the story because you want to find out how it goes back to the status quo. Right. They know that that's what we want to see. Yeah. Well, you know, to me, and this is just maybe me being a, a, a pessimistic about the whole industry i feel like they're trying to hit a demographic and they say we'll put a black girl in this demographic we'll put a woman in this demographic or, or in this character and we'll hit that demographic and we can tell everybody look how diverse marvel comics is yeah i think that's um that that's like an additional symptom yes um but it's still like the basic idea of let's change the model let's think outside the box but at the end of the day, it feels like just kind of a cheap attempt to pull people in. I also feel the biggest problem with the comic book industry, even more than that, is the constant reboots. Mm, yes. I'm so tired of hearing the rebirth, reboot, crisis. Right. Anytime you hear there's like a crisis in the title right. and the Flash is doing something, you know they're going to just be you know starting over again. But when they start over, they just tell the same story. Yeah. And... and in all fairness, I totally, totally agree with you. But with with DC in this last rebirth, rebirth has been, in my opinion, fantastic. Um, I'm all for a reboot if it's done correctly, if it's done right. And it's I, such a double-edged sword because in a way you have to reboot your continuity at some point because yes. it's going to get too bogged down. You're going to have to remember decades of stories. Right. But, you know, then at the same point, if it's overused, it's almost like, you know, hey, I've masturbated three times in one day. It's starting to shave. <laughs> right. Well, you know, the new 52 wasn't that long ago. And it's it, like. Yeah, exactly. The new 52. Um, before that, you had other ones like Superman, Birthright, mm -hmm. uh, All-Star Superman. All these were supposed to restart the universe. Final Crisis. And, you know, they. Yeah, they would either work or they wouldn't. Right. Um, one year later is another one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's Rebirth, uh, I'm very optimistic about Rebirth. I was actually just reading one of the Rebirth titles here with uh, Super Sons, issue one. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. I, I, it's a lighter comic, yes, obviously, but I, I love Robin. Uh, I've loved Robin my whole life, uh -huh. and I, I think Damian Wayne is a great Robin. I might be in the minority, but I love him as Oh, Robin. no, he he's actually... He, I hate to say this, but he might be my favorite Robin. Well, there's no shame in that because he's actually Bruce's son. Yes. That means something. He's darker. You know, he like, he's not going to play by the rules oh of the other Robins. He's such a I feel like the other Robins were like these little Boy Scouts. Yes. Yeah. Now, I do Especially like Dick that Grayson. Tim Drake kid. You know? I, I think Dick, Dick Grayson is a, is, was a great Robin. I was actually glad to see him as Nightwing. Um, he's the only one that I felt like kind of outgrew the Robin mantle. Um, Nightwing is my jam. Um, I've got a blog post coming out. Actually, uh, I'm going to be a guest blogger on my friend uh, Dave Taylor's site. 
and I'll be sure to tag you in it, but I've actually written a blog on how, in some ways, Nightwing is the greatest of all superheroes. Wow. Okay. Definitely tag me in that. I'd love to read that. We will talk about how that, uh, yes. Um, in short, you know, Nightwing, he experienced the same tragedy as Batman. He yes. lost both his parents, but he didn't fall into the same dark abyss. He kept his good heart. Right. Yeah. And he uses that to unite heroes. He leads them and he motivates them in a way that Batman never can. Yes. That I you know and when when Dick was Robin, I loved their dynamic. Um, you know, cuz Bruce is Bruce, he's always going to be <laughs> Bruce, but Dick never gave up on him. Never once gave up on him. Um, it, yeah, I totally agree. Dick was his first son. And yes. then, just like you said, he became a character in his own right. They've really done well with the character in the DC animated releases that come out. Um, I was just watching Bad Blood this weekend because I hadn't seen that one yet. Um, Bad Blood. Refresh my memory. Batman Bad Blood. Uh, that introduced the Batwoman and uh, it kind of did a bit of an adaptation of when Dick became Batman for a while and Damien was his Robin. Um, and then they've also done Teen Titans, the Judas contract. That's the newest one. Mm -hmm. Go out and see it, rent it, whatever. Go see that immediately. Listeners. It is one of the best DC adaptations, um, in animated form, very adult as well. Yeah, uh, the Judas Contract, the original, I know they just did a new Judas Contract in Rebirth, but uh, the original Judas Contract uh, was one of my favorite stories as a kid. Um, oh, for sure. That put the Teen Titans on the map. Yes, and Deathstroke, in my opinion. Oh, man. And Deathstroke is like the, the, uh, like the trademark villain for the Titans. Yes. Yes, and, and I, it Dick started is, there. It actually started it did. the Judas Contract. It so, certainly did. So well, much. The happened. movie adaptation's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to check. I, it's actually been on my list to see, and I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I'm very, yeah, definitely. I just, I love that storyline, so I really hope that they uh, they do that justice. Um, okay, what is being your beings? You're a writer. I, I think this is an appropriate question. What is the book that you give most? Like, if, if you recommend a book to somebody besides your own, you, you conceited right. bastard, uh, some, <laughs> somebody, somebody else's book, who would, you, who would you recommend? All right, I've got several of those. I already mentioned Jim Butcher and the Dresden Files. Yes. That is my number one fantasy series, bar none. Okay. Um, other ones I would mention, I enjoy uh, Jim Bernheimer and the X. I'm sorry, and the Confessions of a D-List Supervillain series. That's actually a newer one, and it's another world of superheroes. Okay. Uh, uh, Non-fantasy, I love David Baldacci and his Camel Club series. Um, very good stuff there, lots of history references. And if you're going to read a history book, you're going to want to check out Marcus Reidecker, uh, particularly his book on pirates and the slave ship. Oh, okay. And go into the OG history, uh, my man Thomas Paine and Age of Reason. It's actually free online because the book's like, you know, 200 years old. Right. So uh, <laughs> he's the original free thinker. He's the original, like, uh, asking the hard questions. He's the, the son of the Enlightenment. 
Uh, Thomas Paine, definitely, if you're looking for something historical, written by a man from history. Who is the, uh, who was the Marcus, what was his last name again? Marcus Reidecker, R-E-D-I-K-E-R. Okay. Yeah, that. He's got a great book on the slave ship and a good book on the pirate ship. Now, of course, he's a dirty, filthy Marxist, so you put that into your context as well. But he's definitely written some interesting (laughs) stuff, especially on pirates. Yes. Well, I'm a big pirate fan. So that I'm I'm all about when you said that uh, another one you would like then is uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pirates, which came out in the last couple of years by Brian Kilmeade and Don Yeager. Um, it's a really easy, brisk read about America's uh, role in the Barbary Wars uh, okay. when we were just a baby country. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it. I'm writing all that down. Very cool stuff. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you see, you only wanted one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you can't have enough books, in my opinion. Um, okay, tell me something that you believe in that other people think is absolutely insane. Okay, um, now, I think that would be the idea. It's, it's hard to say what I believe in because I define my belief system as desiring to believe as many true things as possible and as few false things as possible. Okay. That you can never have a perfect worldview. You can only have a worldview based on the, the best available evidence. So, that being said, I believe not in ancient aliens, but I believe in ancient humans that were far more advanced than we imagine ancient cultures to be. And the reason for that is, uh, this may sound like an appeal to ignorance or an appeal to the gaps, But we think about how much uh, time human beings have been around. There was a recent discovery of human remains that they thought were 300,000 years old. At at some point, we said 100,000 years old. So that'll suit my argument fine. Let's go with that. So let's say that humans have been around for 100,000 years. Then let's say that we have recorded history between now and 5,000 years ago when we have writing discovered. Is it possible that somewhere before that 5,000 years and before that 100,000 years, in the last, was there a thousand year period where humans reached a sufficiently advanced point to where they developed a society like ours and we just don't know about it? Wow. I don't know. I'm, I'm, we hear stories about Atlantis, right. we hear about the Egyptians, we hear about the ancient Etruscans. Uh, people that were radically advanced. Uh, you know, you can go to Tuscany right now and see the Etruscan Arch. Yes. The thing's older than the Roman Empire, and it's been standing for all these years. How did these ancient people, who we would have considered savages, know how to build that? Uh, we talk about it with the pyramids. We talk about it with, you know, ancient cultures. How did they know what they knew? The the Mayan calendar is another example. Right. People like to think about aliens, but I think the answer is a lot closer to Earth. Okay. And I think that we've had a series of advanced cultures that rise and fall, and then they reach a certain point where they start to degrade. So has all of this happened before, and is all of it just going to happen again? Is there nothing new under the sun? Is is history just a cyclical process of inevitability? I don't know. Right. Wow. Yeah, that show, uh, me and my wife are huge fans of the H Alien show. Uh, some of it, I think they they reach they reach for for content. I'm pretty sure they're but, reaching in all of that. <laughs> well, I, and I just don't think 
I think that humans are impressive enough and that our ancestors were as impressive as we are. How, how far have we developed in the last hundred years, right. even in the last 25 years yeah, I was about to say. and human beings in the current form have been around for six figures of years. Right. It's not a stretch to think that there was a thousand year or 2000 year period where maybe we did as well somewhere as we did right here. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's... Is there evidence? We haven't found it yet, but I would like to find the reasons. I'm definitely looking into the ancient Etruscans for that, uh, because we don't know a lot about those people, but we do know they influenced a lot of the technology of the Roman Empire, and the Romans were ridiculously advanced. Right, yes, they were. What, so the Etruscans, where, what, what region, were they in that region? Like, uh, yes, a, the ancient Italians. Um, we, we find them in history. They first show up documented by the Romans. The Romans mention a lot of the Etruscans. There was an Etruscan rebellion at one point, and the Romans had conquered them and integrated them into their society. So all we know about the Etruscans is written by the winners, the people that eventually conquered them. Wow. Cool. All right. Dude, I'm learning all kinds of cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> I am a teacher and the world is my classroom. Love it. Said Charles Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Okay. Uh, we're at the hour mark. Jay, I know that you're going to go see Wonder Woman. Are, we, are you seeing it for the first time tonight? or the or First the time. The first, first time I've been trying to get out there, but you know, having a toddler kind of puts your plans on hold for a movie night sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. Jay would love to have you on the Meathead show. Uh, I think I talked to you about that before on Twitter. I would love to have you back uh, and to get your opinion on on Wonder Woman with me and Big Sam. If you'd be interested in doing that, that'd be fantastic. Let's book it, man. All right, man. Good. Uh, yeah, I won't give you. I won't give you any spoilers. Uh, but I did give my first reactions on the last Blazing Defender report. Really liked it. Um, it's. I think people are kind of blowing it up a little bit more than it probably deserves. But it's mm-hmm. it's a fantastic movie. Movie. My wife loved it. I'm sure your wife's going to love it too. You're going to love it. Um, I'm ready. Yeah, it's it's so, so, so good. Okay, before I let you out of here, though, I've got a second round of rapid fire for you, okay? Bring it on. And I kind of – I wrote these before the show, so some of them I think I know your answer, but I'm still kind of curious on where you might go, all right? Let's okay. go. Darth Bane or Darth Maul? Bane. Bane. <laughs> I thought you might say Maul. Darth Bane is like my favorite Sith. Uh, oh, he's awesome. He's fucking awesome. Uh, I was so hoping that when they rebooted the movies that they would bring Bane into the fold somehow. But Bane is in the canon. He appeared in the Clone Wars TV show, but it was as a Spectre. As a Spectre, um, right. But that confirms he did live and his character can be used. Yes. Yeah, well, so maybe, it's just a matter of time. Maybe we'll see him again. I hope so. Okay. Oh, I really hope so. Oh my god, I'd be fucking. I'd freak the fuck out if Bane showed up. Okay, now, um, are you familiar? Before I ask you this, with Stephen Decatur? No. Okay, I was going to ask you Blackbeard or Stephen Decatur. Uh, well, if you would look up Stephen Decatur. 
Uh, whenever you get I'm probably going to pick Blackbeard, though, because Blackbeard was kind of a badass. Uh, Steven Decatur was a bad motherfucker, too. Let me just tell you. And he was an oh, American. naval officer. Naval officer. Uh, I'm still going to go with Blackbeard, because okay. Blackbeard once fought with, like, swords sticking out of him. Um, and uh, Decatur was actually part of those Barbary Wars, now yes. that you mention it, that I recommended in the book. Yes. Yeah. That's the reason I didn't know if you was familiar with him or not. Um, but, I mean, he killed 33 people in one in one day basically by himself um he calls it tuesday he's a bad he's a bad motherfucker but okay black so you like blackbeard okay like blackbeard favorite historical figure thomas Paine. yeah i figured i i had that one circled already i was like I'm gonna uh, fucking my, the runner up would definitely be voltaire 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 man well, of the uh, enlightenment father of the enlightenment okay so, I mean, that's why, because, because of that? Yeah, he rejected authority-based thinking and said, what you believe, you've got to prove. Yeah, he was a fucking outlaw. He was. He was a fucking outlaw. One of the, one of the first. He wrote plays also. Yes. Uh, what was his, he was famous for one. He wrote one play, I, I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but he wrote a play about Muslims. And everybody was all worried about that. Like he was going to, it was kind of like the modern day, um, what's the word, political correct folks. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mahomet was his play, Mahomet. Okay. Five Act Tragedy in 1736. Um, he got a lot of pressure to cancel his plays from Muslim groups, you know. Wow, they were doing uh, that shit ba- back then too, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vol- Voltaire described the play as being written in opposition to the founder of a false and barbarous sect. Referring to Islam. So wow. he did not mince words, Voltaire. No, he didn't. <laughs> I like him already. Uh, yeah. Okay. Luke or Han? Oh, Luke all day long. I, but I, I'm into the mystical side of the Force and the Jedi, so it's got to be Luke. Yeah, you know, I never... Luke is like one of my least favorite Jedis. My, mm-hmm. the, my, my only saving grace for Luke, for me, is if... In this in this new set of movies, he rolls over to the dark side, and then I'll be like, "He's a uh, motherfucker." Read um, Dark Empire. That's when Luke falls to the dark side in those comics. Um, Dark Horse comics, maybe. Dark Horse, yes, yes that was in the nineties. Okay, yeah, I never did read those. I read a lot of the extended universe stuff, the novels. Um, I didn't. Oh yeah, I love all a lot the of the dark, the the uh, dark horse stuff. I didn't like it. I didn't think it was very good, to be honest. It, it's not great, but if you just want to read about Luke falling, the first one's pretty good. Dark okay. Empire one, dark and that's when Luke accepts the offer to become the apprentice of the dark side. Blah blah blah. Okay, I'll I'll check that out. That sounds pretty badass, actually. Dark. Okay. Cool. Uh, growing up, I was kind. I liked Han. I don't know. I always thought Luke was kind of whiny and shit. But, you know, during he the, was absolutely. You know, what I mean? you you can't go wrong with either one. Yeah. Um. But it, for me, it's what Luke represents, and I'm hoping that he's shown as just a capable kickass in the new trilogy. But it seems like he's going to be indecisive and kind of like, you know, he's afraid. He's been through a lot of tragedy. Uh, we'll oh, just have to wait and all see. All right. Let me let me ask you this. Uh, I'm getting away from my my rep. Okay. Let me finish up my rep fire, and I'll come. I'll, I want to go out with this this last question. Uh, for you the, the rest of the rapid fire is superman or batman 
Batman. Batman? Okay, cool. Oh, it's so hard to pick. I know, isn't it? Super strength or f- the ability to fly? Oh, fly, 100%. 100%. Marvel or DC? I love them both. I can't. They're all the same thing to me. It's just superhero stories. I don't see the labels. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Okay. Now, this is what I wanted to ask. That being said, okay. Marvel was my first love. Yes. Yes, mine too. As I've gotten older, not, I don't even want to say that. It's actually been in the last few years. I feel like Marvel's really started to slide uh, as far as like the, the writing. The writing uh, stable is just isn't very strong, and I'm leaning more towards DC stuff and image stuff now more well, than I'm ever. ready for either of them. I'm rather ready for either of them to give me a call. <laughs> well, I'm telling you what, brother. After just what little I've read of uh, Outbreak Mutant Mutiny, <laughs> you got the chops. You could do it. Thank uh, you. Give these. Well, well, hey, I'll come back when you're finished. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But let me ask you this really quick. Um, now, of course, you've seen the Last Jedi trailer, right? I have. Okay. And there's an analysis of it on my YouTube channel. Uh, is it the Symposium? The Novel Comics. Yeah. Oh, no, no that's just novel it, that was just me. Yeah, just the Novel Comics YouTube tra- okay, cool. uh, channel. So, are are you familiar with the Book of Wills? Well, we don't know a lot about the Book of Wills. I mean, it, it appeared in George Lucas's early drafts of Star Wars. Right. But as far as in the canon, we just know that the Guardians of the Wills were defending the Temple of the Jedi on Jeddah. Right. And they were largely defunct. But it looks like Luke has the journal on Akcho. Right. Yes. Um, Yeah, that's going to play a role in something. And that was also one of our theories that Snoke was one of the deposed Guardians of the Wills. Okay. See, this this was a... early theory that i had um i have a book it's like it's huge it's like almost like a like a coffee table book almost and it's the the legend of the jedi and the sith is what it's called and there's a lot of pictures in it but it's got a lot of cool shit and it mentions the book of wills and all it says is it was from a group that a, a group of force users that predated the jedi that did not believe in light or dark. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Uh, okay. They believed in the gray. So when Luke says, I feel like it's time for the Jedi to end, I feel like he's he's going to take it back to that that moment uh, of the group that, that predated the Jedi. The, the writers, the authors of the Book of Wills. That's an interesting idea. I mean, that's as good as anything else I've heard. I have no idea what Luke meant by that. I was shocked to hear him say it. Yeah, yeah. Which which is why they put it in the trailer so fans would go fucking shit. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And we did. Uh, Jay. Oh, we did. I want to thank you so much for being on. I don't want to keep you any longer. I I don't want you to be late for Wonder Woman. Um, Definitely, definitely want to have you back for, for, uh, the interview part two with the book after I finish the book and, uh, hopefully you'll come back and share your wonder woman thoughts with us as well on meatheads. That would be, just tell me when we'll make it happen. Okay, man. Um, now where can ever, where can all my listeners find you? We've, we've, we've talked about it kind of through the, the podcast, but tell them right now where they can find you. 
All right, well, I am Jay Sandlin. Uh, find me on Twitter at Jay Sandlin Writer. Check me out at jaysandlinwriter.com. And Outbreak Mutiny, Volume 1, Alternate History with Superheroes, is available on Amazon in ebook and paperback. Awesome. And let me just say, if you're not following Jay on Twitter, you're fucking making a mistake right now. He's one of my favorite. Him and the Naked Porch guys are some of my favorite uh, tweeters, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I, I've, I have their shit on notification. Every time they send something, I, I want to see it. Uh, it makes me laugh almost every day without fail. Uh, with that, Jay, thank you very much. Um, I want to thank Black Rifle Coffee and Collectors Cantina on Facebook. Please go check those guys out. They're proud sponsors of the show. Love those guys. Thank you for everything you do for me. And with that, I'm the Blazing Defender. And for Jay Sandlin, we're out of here. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.